that. Because that's what God does. I mean, that's what, that's what following Jesus does, man. When you give your life to Christ, when, when Christ is, is your life, man, and you make this your, 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 your life, all right, you have to recognize that Jesus in your life puts a target on your life. Jesus in your life puts a target on your life, man. You know what I mean? That's, that's a fact, uh, I was listening to uh, Dave Platt, all right, as he was talking about some stories about, you know, just men and women who are, you know, just being persecuted, you know, around the world for the gospel. He was telling a story about him, how him and some of his friends went over to an, an area in East Asia, I believe it was, where, they, where they're, or, or they're not allowed to uh, preach the gospel. As a matter of fact, the gospel is outlawed, so much so that he can't even disclose the name of the town that he was in when he was there, because he still probably has, I think he still has people there uh, spreading the gospel. But they posed as hikers, right? Right? They, they, they bring their backpacks and they're just kind of posing as hikers walking through the town when in fact in their backpacks it was filled with gospel material. And what they would do is they would take that material, right? And they would just kind of like set it in certain places where people will find it later. Like maybe in a wood pile or maybe behind this house or maybe someplace in a store or in a place of business. All right, and just praying that God, all right, would, would reveal himself just through some of that material, man, because again, it was highly, highly outlawed to share the gospel. And somehow the word got out, man, and, and they found out that these guys were sharing the gospel and they literally were running for their lives out of town. They circled around and came to this other town, what kind of this town, first town that they started in, and they ended up in the home of, of a couple named Jean and Lynn who were uh, some illegal house church leaders. They actually illegally led a, a network of house churches. And as they were hanging out, all right, they were talking and Dave was kind of sharing some of his, his story, right? Kind of sharing uh, a little bit of, uh, of who he is. And they said, well, can you come to our Bible study tomorrow? Uh, you know, and just kind of share the gospel there uh, with him. He said, absolutely. He said, so what do, you, what do you think, around noon? He said, yeah, sure. So he, he shows up at noon the next day, prepared with about a one-hour Bible study, that turned into eight hours and they were just hungry for the word. And when he started sharing, he started sharing like a, he started sharing out of the book of Nehemiah and he shared the background story of Nehemiah. And they were like, we've never heard that before. Can you come back tomorrow and start and begin with the whole Old Testament and kind of share some background stories? He says, sure. And for the next 10, for the next uh, you know, 10, maybe 14 days, he was there every day for, for eight to 12 hours going through the whole Old Testament. On about the, the last day, the day before he was getting ready to leave, all right, he was going to share again, man. They said, you know what? We've heard you, you go through the whole Old Testament. We haven't heard anything about the New, Old, New, New Testament. Can you share the New Testament today? <laughs> so he spent 12 hours just opening up the scriptures in the New Testament, which you could have went, obviously, way longer. But what is crazy is, this, is that they, they, they loved the word. These people were hungry for the Lord. They were risking their jobs. They were risking their homes. They were risking their families. They were even risking their freedom. They were risking their lives just to come and hear the word of God. He said that they would have these prayer meetings, man. And, you know, and you know when we were going to pray before a Bible study, how long does that prayer usually last? Ah, we about a minute, two minutes, maybe three if you're if we're getting crazy, all right. And we, we go if we're gonna do you know like hold hands and the pistol grips up in the sky, well then you know we're probably going five minutes with that prayer, right? All right. This prayer when he said we were praying for for you know for thirty minutes, forty five minutes, an hour and more. 
And he says, I looked around the circle. I would look up and as we were praying, and he says, I would see puddles, all right, around a circle of puddles that were just coming from the tears of these people that were just praying as they were crying out for the presence of God. Just puddles of tears. So it was mind blowing. He got invited to a worship service. Right? And the worship services were these secret worship services that they, they actually had worship services in the middle of the night at midnight. How many, you know, you know, at midnight, because that's when it was safest. Right? And they would actually put them in a hoodie, all right, and, and sneak them in the back of this car and just kind of drive through town to this secret place where they'd have this worship service. And he would he would go downstairs underground in this in this basement, and there'd be 60 plus people just crammed in there, just wanting to praise Jesus. Just wanting to praise the Lord. And they would pray and praise God until early morning hours and before, right before the sun came up so they can try to still sneak under the cover of night. Even with those targets on their back, with this target on their life, it didn't stop them. When he went there the first time, he said that there were already two house churches and when he came back six months later, there were eight and then he came back later and he found that they were preparing these young men, 18, men and women, ages 18 and 19-ish. And they were sending them up into an area where the gospel, another place where the gospel was horribly outlawed, you know, by death, immediate. And these guys didn't know if they were going to come back or not. They were just going to go share Jesus. They were just going to go share Jesus. move over to India and there's a cat named Rajesh. Rajesh was uh, a proclaimer of the gospel and it was illegal in India to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he didn't care. He went around openly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and he got arrested and they put him in prison for it. And when he was in prison, he's thinking, well, what am I going to do? I'm in prison. I'm going to share the gospel. So he started sharing the gospel with all the prisoners and these prisoners started coming to Jesus. Even this one notorious, you know, outlaw that they had in there, this murderer came to Jesus. Soon the guards were looking and saying, hey man, this guy, man, he's not stopping. He keeps sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and now the prisoners are coming to Christ. And what did they do? They kicked him out of prison for sharing the gospel. Put him in prison for sharing the gospel, kicked him out of prison for sharing the gospel. Moved northwest in India. And you come uh, up to a couple, very Muslim territory, I mean, very, very radical territory. And a, and a, and a man and, and a woman, Samuel and Sarah, who were raised up in that, somehow were introduced to the gospel. And they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And because of that, they were kicked out of their families and told they couldn't come back home not to come back home. And as they left, they, they were praying. They were praying for God to reveal himself to their, to their families and that, that they would actually someday get an opportunity to share Jesus with their families. And one day they got invited back home. And that here's our chance. And they came home and they went to Sarah's house and that's where they were gonna stay. And Samuel said, I'm gonna go see my family and I'll be back. And she's all right. And he went to go see his family. And when he came back, he found out that Sarah's family had poisoned her to death. Samuel didn't stop preaching the gospel. He continued 
to pray for his family and opportunities and Sarah's family to preach the gospel to them. Move over to Afghanistan where we have a very radical worker. I can't even, we can't even disclose his name because he's still there and this crazy work he's doing. And, and you know, it's illegal to even have a Bible. Now, I think about this tonight when you're, when, you're, when you're going to bed and you're laying down in your bed and there's somewhere later on tonight, man, around midnight, a certain individual is gonna sneak off to a cave just right outside of town. And, and, and grab, retrieve this hidden Bible. That's, that's where they hide it. And bring it back around midnight to people that are eagerly waiting with candlelights, just in case somebody's coming, just so they could read the Bible until sunrise. And before sunrise, take and go back to that cave and just hide that Bible. Because they can be killed for it. We hear these stories, right? And we, and, we, and, we, and we cheer these people on, man. We cheer them on. We're like, yeah, man, just go. And maybe, and maybe even some of us are, are, are willing to maybe send them a couple of bucks to kind of help further their ministry. But how many of us are really willing to take their place? How many of you have already chosen to own that position right here and right now? Because we have you know, maybe not as radical of opposition, but we still have opposition. Last night, last, last night, last week, you were given a challenge to magnify what the Lord is doing. And how did you do with that? Last week, you were given a challenge you know, to, to tell somebody what God has done for you. How did you guys do with that? We have to own this. We call these people the persecuted church. And that is hilarious to me. We call them the persecuted church because here's what Paul said to Timothy. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We just don't know if we want to own that sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm with you. Sometimes it's a struggle. But we have to own the fact that Jesus in your life puts a target on your life. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to live a godly life in Christ or are you satisfied with just being a circumstantial Christian whose main pursuit is the American dream? I mean, because we have one, right? I'll be getting fired after this message. Anyways, <laughs> let me put it like this, man. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to follow Jesus no matter what or who it costs you? Knowing that the danger of your life will increase in proportion to the depth of your relationship to Jesus. Did you hear that? Are you willing to follow no matter what the cost or even no matter who it costs? All the while knowing that the deeper and closer you get to Christ, you know, it increases more and more opportunity for persecution and opposition and struggle. Here's what I know, man. People need to know Jesus and they can't wait for us to decide whether or not we think it's safe. Did you hear that? 
People need to know that they can know Jesus and they can't wait for you and me to decide whether or not it's safe or whether or not it fits into our schedule or our conversation or our friend group or our family atmosphere. We cannot wait to decide. They can't wait. Debbie and I were cruising down the road in, in Phoenix the other day, last weekend. I was just cruising down the road. And you know, you got, you got people out there with their signs all around the community. And it's easy to get real jaded when you see that. We pulled out of this one parking lot and there's a girl right there with her sign and her head down. And I'm, I'm pulled her right beside her. She's just got her head down like this. And I just, I was like, I, can't, I, was, I was looking at her and I just kept trying to see her face and she just like didn't want nobody to see it. And she didn't look like, I don't know, man. It's just, I just, I'm, and I, I told Debbie, we should give her something. I don't normally, I don't give money. I'll, I'll, we'll, let's go, you hungry? Let's go get a hamburger. I'll get you a hamburger, you know, whatever, you know, you need something. But I was just compelled, man, because we were at a stoplight. And I, and I looked at her and I said, hey, and I, and I pulled out, you know, five bucks. And I just went to Hannah, she walked towards me. I said, hey, you're not invisible, man. All right? You're not invisible, and you're not forgotten. You're here on purpose. And I looked up, I said, you're amazing, and you're loved. And she said, thank you. Sometimes it's hard to believe that. And the light turned green. I mean, that only cost me five bucks. People need to know that they can know Jesus and they can't wait for us to decide whether or not we think it's safe or reputable. We're in a series right now. We're in a series. We're in a book in one of the books of the, of the Bible called Luke. And we're doing our, um, our, our part as far as to get closer to Christ because he's already come close to us. And in this, we're uh, just kind of going through a lot of still the introductory part of the book of Luke and Christ is still a baby here and that's where we're catching up with the scene right here where Mary and Joseph, all right, Jesus has already been born, John the Baptist has already been proclaimed and born, all right, and um, we're moving forward with the story and some things are still happening that I think we can really, we really need to take note of and, and, and maybe learn from. And we're in, uh, in Luke chapter two, we're gonna start in verse 21. Let me pray for us because we probably all need it now, right? <laughs> and so, Father, I just praise you. Lord God, I'm, 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 I'm with the family right here, Lord God, and we, Lord God, are here to um, repent of what we need to repent of, Lord God, in these situations and, and bring you glory in those things that we need to bring you glory in, Lord God. This is for your glory and this is for your life, Lord God. And, Lord God, help us, Lord God, to really, truly own this position of disciple of Jesus Christ, Lord God. This is for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, here we go. 21, at the end, we're gonna move a little fast through some of the scripture, man, but stay with me. I'll be explaining stuff as we go along. I wanna get to this 
middle part of this scripture because there's some really huge stuff I want us to kind of talk about. But verse 21 says, at the end of eight days, all right, Jesus was eight days old, all right, and he was circumcised and called Jesus. He was given the name by, uh, the, the name that was given him by the angel uh, before he was consumed, but because consumed, conceived in the womb. Slow down, brother. All right, in the womb, all right? And what's crazy about this is circumcision was, was an identification mark, all right, saying that you were identifying with God and his people, all right? And so what's crazy is even as a baby, Jesus is identifying as one of us, all right? It's crazy to think that God himself is identified as one who needs God, even though he is God. Crazy thought, all right? Think about that later. <laughs> all right, and when the time came, okay, this is about a month later, all right, about a month later between verse 21 and 22, but how do I know that? Because what it says at the time for the purification, according to the law of Moses, it was considered that a woman, after she has a baby, needs to spend some time and just, you know, with her and God and just kind of, you know, time of purification away from people, all right, her and the baby, all right? And it says, when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, uh, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. They came to dedicate Jesus to the work, the service, and uh, you know the life of God. And when we do that, we don't baptize uh, babies here. I'm not saying that, you know, if, if, whatever you, you want to think about that. Here, we don't do that. We challenge parents to do exactly this, to come and dedicate their baby and their lives to raising up their children to know Jesus so one day their child, all right, can, can choose to follow Jesus on their own. All right, and that's exactly what's happening here. In verse 24, it says, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. You know, they were going to offer a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And what this speaks of is the financial limitations of the household of Joseph and Mary. All right. And I love this because, you know, uh, you could, when, when, when you come to dedicate your child, uh, if you have, if you're well off and have well means you can bring a lamb. All right. And you would dedicate that lamb. If you weren't, you know, in that financial bracket, you were okay to come in and, and bring a pair of turtle doves or, 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 or some pigeons, right, and then and dedicate those. And, uh, you know, so Jesus kind of grew up in a very ordinary home, just to kind of let us know. And what's crazy is they continued to go to the temple. Here, you got to remember that, that Mary and Joseph are being ostracized by their community right now because they're having, in the eyes of the community, an illegitimate son. You know, so, so their, their thought is that Mary messed around somewhere, all right, and got herself pregnant, or else she was raped by a Roman soldier, which is another story that was going around for a while. But either way, this, this, the, the, the view of the community at that time would be that this child is unclean. That would be their thought. And so if the child is unclean, then the parents are unclean, and this whole situation is unclean. All right, and, and, and it was, and, and they were thought, you know, and it was crazy because you ever look at somebody and wonder, why are they in church? Have you ever done that? Why are, why, why are they in church? You ever, you, ever, you, ever have, you ever wonder if somebody's thinking that about you? <laughs> what if they wonder why I'm here? You know what I mean? Because it was, was a conversation I shared before it went with my, my daughter and, and, and Pam. Because they were like, why are we even here? Because they're looking like, hey, why are they here? When the, why are we here, man? Because that's the bigger question. But that's how they're, they're being looked at. And it's crazy, man, because I still, after, after 26 years of following Christ and leaving an old lifestyle alone back in the day, you know, I still personally, and don't, just don't take this any, because if I was worried about it, then I probably wouldn't talk about it, all right? But I still get threats from old friends 
you know, because of, of my choice to continually follow Christ. I still have some stuff come up and some of the homies, all right, are still trying to say some stuff, man. All right, and you know what, man? I can say that because I know that Christ has my back more than anybody. All right, I'm on his team. I'm like, you go mess with me, you gotta mess with him first. What do you think of that? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Now what? You know what I mean? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But God is in control. That's so I'll leave it there. Because I know that, man, Jesus in your life puts a target on your life. I've known that for, 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 from the day I gave my life to Christ because I started seeing the opposition immediately. Look at verse 25. He says, now there was a man, all right, in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation, basically the redemption or encouragement of, of, of Israel. Uh, and the Holy Spirit uh, was upon him. I love this man because this guy right here is going to say some really cool stuff here, all right, and it's going to challenge us. But it begins with saying, this is just some regular guy. All right, and, you know, he was the only thing that was revealed about him was his spiritual condition that he was righteous and devout, which should be the first thing that people notice about you and me, right? Oh, are you a pastor? Are you? You're, well, no, no, man. That, wait a second. There's something different about that woman. There's something different about that guy. And that's what was noticed about this cat right here. And as verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the redemption of Israel, who God is sending. Because you got to remember too also that the story of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, began in Genesis. If you open your Bible and you have Genesis to Revelation, and there's 66 books in there, every book all right, before Jesus speaks of the coming of Christ. Every book after Jesus speaks of the existence of Christ, you know what I mean, how he came and refers to some of the stuff that was said back in the day about him, all right, and that he was coming not only to save Israel, but the planet, all right, and then lead us back to God. And, and then we have his return, all right? There's a whole story there, and the story is about Christ. It's about Jesus. And this, this old dude right here, he knew that. And had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Christ. All this stuff that had been all of our history books talk about. Back in his history books, which are ours now too. And he came in the spirit into the temple where, where they were, right? And when the parents brought Jesus, the child Jesus, all right, to do for him according to the custom, he came into the temple at the same time that they were in there dedicating Christ and when he saw him, look at verse 28, uh, he, he took him in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Azabenya. No, he didn't say that. He said, <laughs> did you guys know that the craziness, man, my granddaughter, I think I shared this with you. Maybe I did or didn't. Well, Christmas Eve service, I forget what service it was. We're in here. And as I was preaching, I stopped preaching in the middle and I paused for a little bit. And my granddaughter, four years old in the back goes, Azabenya. <laughs> Anyways, it was like a crack up, man. It was a cute moment. Perfect. All right, anyways. No, he didn't do that. He picked up the baby and he said, no, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart. Because he said that, he said, first he said that the, the spirit of the Lord told him that, that he wouldn't see death before he saw the redemption of Israel, before he saw the Christ, before he saw the salvation. 
And now he says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. And here's what I know. One thing that we can always be sure of is God is always watching over his word to perform it. One thing that we can always be sure of, one thing we can always be confident in is that God himself is watching over his word to perform it because he will perform it always, always. His timing is his timing, but he is doing it and he will do it. Our problem is we put words in God's mouth. Wait, he also said this. And he's like, I never said that. So it's up to us, all right, to, 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 to know his word so that we can know exactly what he said and be ready when he, for him to perform it. Amen? I know exactly what he's saying. He said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation, his, his rescue from the great enemy, our sin. We say that the devil is our great enemy. He is an enemy. But the greater enemy is the one that works from inside out. All right? To blame everything on the devil is foolishness. All right? He just sets the stage. The devil just sets the stage. You're the one that got to get up there and play the game. People say, ah, I've just made another mistake. No, man, you, you don't plan mistakes. You don't, you don't draw a route to where you're going to go make a mistake and then come back without anybody knowing. You don't do that. Right? He says, now, Lord, my eyes have seen your salvation. Because we cannot rescue ourselves from our sin. Only Christ can rescue you from your sin. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, to Israel. He says, look, you have, this is for the world, man. This is, not, this is for the whole world. It's not just for Israel, God's firstborn. Firstborn people group. This is for the world. Amen. A light of revelation to the Gentiles for glory to your people of Israel. So, so first, Simeon goes and grabs the child, Jesus, and, 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 and just proclaims this, this praise over him. And then it says that his father and his mother were tripping out. You put that right there. His father and mother tripped out. I mean, because that's what we can understand that. Because it was a trip. Imagine, you know, Joseph and Mary have been raising, they, had, they were told by angels what would happen like, you know, nine months ago. Well, now uh, 10 months ago, they were told by angels what was going to happen, all right? And then, you know, went through all that craziness from their community, all right, and still going through it, had this baby, all right, and then saw some craziness with these shepherds and stuff like that. Wise men haven't come yet. That actually, they actually come a, a year or two later, all right? So, you know, get that right. You're like, wait a second, um, no. You check it out later. But anyways, they got to be tripping because now this guy, they walk into the temple and immediately a stranger, all right? You can tell in his eyes he's a good man. By his words, he loves the Lord, all right? Righteous and devout and starts blessing this child. And they're tripping, man. And here's what I know, man. As much as you know, <laughs> you know Jesus, 
it's still mind-blowing to know him even more, isn't it? As much as you know you already know Jesus, it is still mind-blowing to know him more. And no matter how well you know Jesus, all right, there is still something amazing about seeing someone else who knows Jesus too. I love people. Me too. I love that. Talking about Jesus, sharing how much you love Jesus, and then this cat goes, me too. All right? Me too. You too, me too. Man, I love that. That's celebration time. That is awesome. Amen? We need that. And verse 34 says, and Simeon blessed them. All right, blessed them. And then he says something crazy. He said, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is to be opposed. This child is set, his position, all right, his reason for being here is this, is that he's going to create a dividing mark in, 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 in the world. And those who choose to deny him are set for a fall, literally destruction. And those who receive and love on him and and make him their Lord, well, they will rise again. The word rising right there is actually in the the original Greek is, is resurrection. It speaks of the resurrection. And and a sign that is opposed, you know, basically a target that cannot be hidden unless you choose to hide it. Why would we? Why would we want to hide the presence of Jesus in our life? Well, you know what? I got a target on my life, man. I know that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Own it. You see, because there's only one way. There's only one truth and there's only one life and his name is Jesus. You either go his way, receive his truth, live his life or go your own way, make up your own truth and good luck with life. Amen? Because Jesus in your life puts a target on your life. Verse 35, he says, in a sword, looking at, looking at Mary, he says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Because she has to watch what he's going to have to go through after she raises him. Even though he comes and rises from the grave, she still has to watch what's going to take place in his life. And that would pierce any mother's soul, wouldn't it? And she looks back at them again and, and continues his earlier thought where he says the fall and rising and a sign to be opposed so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground with, with Jesus, man. There's no fence. I'm just on the fence right now. No, you're not. You're on the other side. That's just it. There's only, there's only there And then there's here. There's only without Christ and there's with Christ. Outside of Christ, inside of Christ. Praise praise the Lord and praise myself. That's all there is. There's no middle ground. I don't know if you ever heard of Richard Wormbrand. Anybody ever hear of him? Back in in the 40s, during the time of the World War, all right, 
Nazi Germany had just invaded, 1941 had just invaded Romania where Richard was and was a pastor and a Christian. It killed over 13,000 Jews and sympathizers and some of those were believing Christian Jews. And Wormbrand was a pastor there. And having to go through all of that in the next few years was hardcore for him and his wife, Sabina. And in 1944, a million Russian troops came into Romania, a city, a city there in Romania where, where Wormbrand was. And Wormbrand thought this was an amazing opportunity to share the gospel with these soldiers because they were just brainwashed into communism and you know they weren't going to believe in anything unless they were commanded to believe in it. Meanwhile, King Richard, all right, the, the first, or King Michael, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about somebody else, <laughs> that other guy, all right, he was only 23 years old. King Michael the first was, uh, was, was only 23 years old, and he was trying to just kind of deal with this power shift that was taking place in his country, all right, and um, I think it was the foreign secretary of, of, of Russia, one of Stalin's guys, came in there into his, into his place and demanded that the Communist Party be placed in, in the government there and be leading within that government, and there was nothing he can do. He had to give him government positions. Now, Stalin, knowing that, that Joseph Stalin, or do some homework, you figured out, many of you probably already know what I'm talking about, was recognizing how the power that religion had on people's lives. And so he thought, well, I'm going to gather all the pastors in Romania, and, um, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to put this thing together with communism. And it was in 19, I think it was 1945, yeah, 1945, 4,000 pastors gathered there. Priests and ministers of the word, all right? And, and Rich, all right, Wormbrand was, was, was required, he, he had to show up. And so he did, him and his wife, Sabina. And as they were in the crowd of these 4,000 pastors and priests and ministers and bishops and whatnot, they started recognizing that one by one, as they were called to, pastor after pastor started standing up, all right, and praised the communist regime, regime, saying that the church can coexist with communism and its Stalinistic rule. That was their message. One by one, they would get up and say this. Meanwhile, Richard Wormbrand's wife, Sabina, told her husband, stand up and wash away this shame from the face of Christ. In her heart, they were spitting on the face of Jesus. Richard looked at his wife and said, Sabina, if I do this, you're gonna lose your husband. She said, I do not wish to have a coward for a husband. <laughs> oh, turn him back now. Boom. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that woman of faith. I do not wish to have a coward for a husband. Sure enough, he stepped up and he praised Jesus, proclaiming that God demanded their full loyalty, not the Communist Party, but God himself, Jesus Christ. And it was broadcast all over Romania and even other parts of the world at that time, all right? And they, exactly, they, they arrested Richard, all right? And they said that he was spreading counter-revolutionary lies, and they put him in prison for 14 years, where they beat him, tortured him, whipped him, right to the point of almost death. 
And some of the stories we'll talk another time that took place in that prison are just only, only things that God could have done. And they took Sabina and committed her to slave labor for three years. Jesus in your life puts a huge target on your life. Are you willing? Are you willing to accept the cost? Right after that, Luke 36, uh, 2, 36, I'm going to breeze right through this scripture. And there was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel and the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived, in, lived with her husband seven years from the time she was a virgin. And then she was, and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and praying night and day. This was a committed, this is a Sabina right here, man. Sabina probably saw this and said, I want to be like that. All right. And coming up, at the very hour that she began to give thanks to God and speak to them, to him, to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel, uh, she of Jerusalem. She didn't have no problem speaking up. She knew that this could bring opposition. She did not care. She just she just spoke of the Lord. Just kind of gave all kinds of praises. And when Mary and Joseph, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew. And became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is a crazy story, huh? Will you tell it? Will you tell it? Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, Look at man, Paul said this I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. The power of God is greater than the power of any man or any establishment or anything. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. So here's what we're going to do. I want to give you guys another shot at Chad's challenge, Pastor Chad's challenge from last week. And if you weren't last week, I'm going to modify it a little bit. But here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. All right, I want, I want to challenge you to, to tell someone what Jesus has done in your life. Tell someone what Jesus has done in your life. Nobody can contend with that story. That's your story that he gave you and nobody can contend with it. I want you to tell somebody this week what Jesus has done in your life and see where that goes. You might get this or you might get this or you might get, we'll talk about it later. Whatever the case Number two, tell someone what Jesus has done for life. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And even though you know, I want you to do that, even though you know that Jesus in your life puts a target on your life. But that's what we signed up for, amen? Praise the Lord. Amen.